Hello and welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast of Shad Dynasty League, one of many leagues accounts. I'm your host, Dan Belinke, joined as always by Devin Rambo. Devin, say hi to everybody right now. Say it right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Devin. Well, as you could tell, I'm furious at Devin. Furious. I wanted an advertisement that isn't just bum lows or all this other bullshit. And were you able to secure me one, Devin? No, you weren't. So you didn't only let me down. You know who you let down? Everyone. That's right. Who hates you? Do you know who hates you? Everyone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no one will ever love you for that. And I'm, I'm extremely upset. Um, but let, let's just get into this. We've had enough unpleasantness already. You know, this is late. Had a couple things planned, but, you know, life gets the best of you. And then you just, I don't know, you don't know what to do, man. Um, so, regardless, um, if we get into this week, we, we've got some things to say. Okay. We got some really important things to say. We have some confessionals to make. We have some confessions. I am never going to listen to these dumb ass internet scouts, fantasy analysts, draft quote unquote analysts that talk me out of a guy who's ginormous, thick, and fast as fuck. I'm sorry. Just, just, I don't care. Slow on tape. Can't run a diverse route tree. Oh, can't turn left. All the things I bought into the negative hype. And I faded DK Metcalf, Chase Claypool. And these are some of the greatest mistakes I have ever made in my fantasy football career. And I am telling you that. I am opening my heart out and confessing that to you. So, Devin, I'm proud of you. I think it's official. DK Metcalf is a top five dynasty wide receiver. (gasps) I can't believe I said it. But it's true. It's so true. God damn it. He's got five years left of Russell Wilson at least. And when I really, really knew it was true, was in that game, not in the two-minute drill to win the game, but the drive before that to even get in sniffing position of a comeback win. It was... Third and long. Russell Wilson is getting taken to the ground. And as he is getting thrown to the ground, he just cocks back his arm, throws it straight up, puts enough power behind it to just say, this thing is going to arch right in the end zone. And you know what? Who is there just burning one-on-one coverage? Ten yards of cushion on the guy, striding into the end zone, running a straight line. DK Metcalf. It doesn't matter. And honestly, he's run more routes than he did in college. And I guess it makes sense, right? College doesn't really, they act like, you know, it's a place where young men learn the game and they don't really. In college, players are coming in and out. So it's like, what are you good at? Do that for us. Do that every game, what you're good at. They're not really a lot of times teaching these guys and building their skill sets. Of course, they get the experience, but DK's running more routes. And it just turns out, If you're bigger and faster than everyone else, you'll probably be good at football. Same with Chase Claypool. Four touchdowns. Could have been five. Good Lord. And Matt got him at the back of the second round. I didn't even think of him. I took T. Higgins on the fucking bungles before him. Oh, my God. Wow. Talk about buyer's remorse. So those are my confessions to you, Devin. 
I hope you're happy. Despite not getting me a sponsor, I will finally admit it to you. I will finally admit this to you that you were right on DK Metcalf. And what's worse is I traded out of DK Metcalf in 2019 to secure Terry McLaurin. I traded down to get Terry, which was not which is not bad, but let's be real. Until there's a quarterback change in Washington, not that I have Terry anymore. DK's ceiling is so much higher than Terry's. And I don't know what Washington could do to make Terry more enticing than DK. I, just, I don't think it can happen. It can't happen. And speaking of changes in the rank, and I, I would say he's top five. I've heard some people talking about he's the number one overall dynasty wide receiver. I think some people out there still put too much of a premium on age. I mean, I don't know. I might take him over the slant master general, Michael Thomas, who I've, you know, I've called overrated for a long time now. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I don't think so. Tyree Kill, no, probably not. Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, now you're, you're getting into an argument. So, yeah, that puts DK solidly top five. And let me tell you, who is easily top ten after only five games in a career. It's C.D. Lamb, baby. C.D. Lamb. Wasn't that the easiest call of the century? Didn't I tell you? You know, I can't confess to being wrong unless I flex being right immediately after. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you all in my mock draft? I said I was wary on Judy, but I said C.D. Lamb is as easily of a sure thing as anybody could hope to imagine anybody anybody and I said Dave do not take Cam Akers over CD you will regret it I know you need running back help but you'll regret it and he fucking does he has to you have to regret it it's I mean he's he's just a stud he's a stud he's just he's producing so much and we'll see what happens with Andy Dalton but I want to keep that in mind of just how excellent he was and looking back to that draft I think the Burrow Still goes number one overall. And I guess people, you know, you shouldn't really be that surprised that Justin Herbert is maybe putting up better numbers in Burrow um, and is in more competitive games, at least. That first point could be argued, but the second certainly could not. But, I mean, it, it does make sense. Did, didn't everybody think of the three quarterback needy teams, uh, Bengals, Dolphins, and Chargers? Chargers were easily the most complete team. I mean, Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen— probably the best O-line of the three of them. Not great, but the best. Um, I mean, he's he's stepped up, and he's done it. And I've, he's been very impressive. Obviously exceeded my expectations for him. Um, but good Lord, you know, I mean, I don't think it's that surprising. If we redid this draft at one overall, I think, Nick, you still go Burrow. I just think the ceiling has to be a little higher there. Just has to be, just based on what we've seen. And it's too early to pivot off of him. And at two and three, oh, geez, there's some other news in the league. You still go Clyde and JT, Devo? I mean, remember, he took him at two and four, but he effectively had two and three, and he blew a smokescreen at Billy that he was going to take Dobbins at three and went down to four. But I don't know. I mean, Devin just gave up his soul for Deshaun Watson, and Justin Herbert, in every game they've played, has been outscoring Deshaun Watson. So think about all that draft capital he could have kept a running back he could have gotten next year. Or if he was slick enough to pick up a James Robinson or uh, Mike Davis this year instead of CH and Jonathan Taylor, 
I think Justin Herbert has to be one of those two slots. And this is also what I was telling you. Every year, these running backs just pop higher and higher up. You guys elevate them to heights they have no hopes of achieving. And you overlook these quarterbacks, man. These quarterbacks try to get Herbert off of Matt right now. Then go try to get CEH or Jonathan Taylor off Devin. Now, if Devin wasn't so stubborn, I think we all know whose value is higher. So it would have to be that. And then as he takes for the one or two, I, Jesus, is a complete toss-up. But, you know, does Dobbins go as high? Does DeAndre Swift, does Cam Akers, do any of those guys? Does Jonathan Taylor deserve to go above CeeDee Lamb? I don't know. And this is exactly what I told you, that he could be the number three overall pick next year if we redraft it and you guys are letting him fall because he's a fucking alpha. But regardless, um, that was fun. But let's get into these. Oh, sorry. I, I'm getting way out over my skis here, folks. I wanted to jump to the matchups because I had a lot to say. But let's first, let's look at um, some of the waiver wire action that's happened um, this past week. And of course, my computer hit the wrong tab. So we definitely had um, a big week, to say the least, a large week. Maybe we should do the trades first to give context to some of these moves. So... As we all know, Le'Veon Bell signed with the Chiefs. Okay. Inter- interesting, interesting. When when they when, when I heard they were in the market, I was like, what is he, fucking stupid? He's already getting another four or six million from the Jets this year. Who cares how much they want to pay him? Go get a ring. Don't sign with the Bills and the Dolphins. Like, come on. Be serious here. And, I mean, he did it. And I think, realistically, he's got great pass-catching chops, but... You know he's just getting acc- he's gonna just have to get acclimated to a new offense. Andy Reid's system it's not the easiest to pick up, as you can see from Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But we certainly know who's taking the goal line touches, right? And I guess the Chiefs went into this season thinking they would have Damian Williams and Clyde, and maybe they always just looked at Clyde as, hey, he's going to be explosive, like split him out wide, be a receiving back, and we'll put in Damian Williams um, at the goal line and have him just pound through in between the tackles but because apparently Clyde cannot do that that was a concern everybody had but you know people thought that the the good portion of it would outweigh the bad so far it's you know it's been about mixed so I mean I don't know I think Clyde pretty much holds steady right I mean he wasn't getting those goal line touches much anymore after those first couple weeks when he proved that he wasn't able to do it he wasn't able to punch it in and so he's not getting those today and he's still putting up like mid, like RB1, RB2, kind of back end of that range numbers. So I think he'll continue to do that. And Le'Veon Bell, it's all going to depend. It's all going to depend. He's going to have weeks where he drops 30 because they just hand him the ball on multiple touchdown looks and just, he goes nuts. But you're also going to drive yourself nuts knowing whether you want to. In a league like this, you could probably flex him every week and be fine. So why did I get off of him? Why did you do it, Dan? Why did you trade him away to Eric? Nobody understands this trade. Dan, you're a contender. Keep it. Eric, you're rebuilding. Why why are you doing this? Well, here's my thing. I've had a long and strained relationship with Le'Veon Bell. His jersey hangs in my closet collecting cobwebs. I'm about to do that fucking thing where I take a roll of duct tape and I write McFarlane Jr. over his name so I can wear it to, to a Steelers game. But I just, I got burned so bad. Last year, I pushed all my chips in on Lev. Really, let me remind you, I gave up 
ninth overall in 2020. That ended up being Jerry Judy, which, I mean, who cares? And I, I secured 14th overall, which ended up being T. Higgins, so whatever. Um, but I also gave up Miles Sanders and Terry McLaurin for Lev, right? This was Terry McLaurin had two maybe boom weeks and then a lot of nothing. Miles Sanders was losing touches, not even getting opportunity over Jordan Howard at the time. This was before he was traded, of course. And, I mean, you know, it was... At the time, it was thinking, you know, hey, this this is a I'm gonna regret this in a year or two, but from now it could win me a title. And guess what? Didn't make a fucking difference. Sure, Lev could go out there and he can have a great game. And then it's like, wow, I really got well, I should tell you, I traded Le'Veon Bell for the third highest of Eric's fourth four first round picks, which today would be like in the four or five range. Probably next week will be lower than that. Um, but regardless, it's, you know, I'm kind of trading at a high, right? This is certainly a peak in his value of this year so far. You know, he won't play against Buffalo, so you'll expect it goes down a little bit there. So now you're looking at week seven. That's his first week in the offense. I don't know. It might not be until week nine or 10 that I could get anything for him. Now, here's a problem. Who has first round picks? Not that many people. You know what I mean? Uh, if I'm looking to get something off of people, the, the longer you wait, the less you're going to get because a lot of these contenders or teams that think they're contending have already made moves and moved the capital. In a couple weeks, Eric might look at me and say, fuck it, I'm not giving you anything for that. What do I care? I'd rather have a pick, right? I don't care if I win the next two games, but whatever. Now, so I, I, I just, I had to cut my losses eventually and get rid of Lev. So that's my thinking there, even though I wish him luck. I hope... I hope it works out for him um, in Kansas City. I'm sure it will obviously be better than playing for Adam Gase in the Jets. Now, on the other hand, Eric, why did he grab him? I'm not sure. I mean, Eric has four first-round picks. And you have to think at a certain point, like, you can have all the picks in the world, but, I mean, you know, you could have 10 first-round picks last year. Did you want all 10 of those guys on your squad? I mean, that's a lot of spots to cut. That's a lot of, I don't know. And another thing that Eric's got to consider is, He's probably, of the guys that he has, I mean, he's got Devin, Bill, he's got him his own pick, Devin, Bill, and Bob. And right now in the standings, Bob and Devin are low-end playoff teams. Bill is right on the cusp. So he could have potential that all these guys are playoff teams. Really, his pick is going to get him the firepower. And if he wants Trevor Lawrence 101, he's going to have to win a matchup, right? We don't just give it to him if he becomes a 10th-ranked team. He, If he's 10 or 9, he's got to play the other team and score two weeks in a row, um, a cumulative score that's higher than that other team. So he does need some firepower, right? You can't sell everything, or he's going to get stuck at 2. The 2 will still be great next year, but if, if you're looking at, like, Eric's team is and you need a quarterback, you need running, I mean, yeah, you probably want Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think it makes sense for him as well. Um, the other trade that should be highlighted is Dave getting Noah Fant. He's giving a 2022 second-round pick and a 2021 third-round pick in exchange for Brandon Cooks, a 2021 second-round pick, and $25 in fab. Sorry, that's what he's giving to Drew. Okay, so if we break this down, obviously the fab move we'll get to. We know why Drew wanted that money. Um, other than that, you know, I think the 2022 second-rounder Sure, that's nice. It's a little ways away, so we're not going to put too much of the premium on that. He really did move. Um, he he probably didn't move down that far, considering like based on the current standings, Dave is 
is one, right? So his 2021 second round pick is pick 20. And Drew is in second or third to last. So, right, his third round pick is 22, 23. So that's not a huge gap, actually, at all. I think those pretty much negate each other. So then it's just straight up Noah Fant for Brandon Cooks. And I mean, yeah, I like it. I think he sold on a high week where Brandon Cooks um, just had a nice week. Uh, he needs a tight end. Drew doesn't need one, so it makes sense. Drew needs maybe a little more flex options after he got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty balanced trade. I don't like buying a guy off an of injury like Noah Fant, especially for giving up a piece um, that's contending, that's helping you contend right now. Uh, you know, I think you could have continued to wait and the value on him would have fallen a little lower, but not a bad trade by any means. Okay, and now here it is. Oh my God, I can't believe it. This guy, this fucking guy. I remember the days when Matt was holding Andy Dalton all year and <laughs> made, a, made a big deal about him being the difference for his team. It never materialized. But Andy Dalton, relevant once again, starting QB for the Dallas Cowboys. So Drew clearly nervous that he was only beaten fab by Eric. He had to bulk up and get that extra $25. And he does it. He gets Andy Dalton for $141, which is easily, easily the most money that this guy has ever, as, as any player has ever gone for. Wow, that's nuts. He beat out um, Nick's $81 offer, Matt's $78 offer, Eric's $69 offer, Bob's $49 offer, um... Anybody else bid anything? No, no one else bothered. But I mean, some big, the lowest offer, the lowest was 49. Wow. So, I mean, we'll see how that plays out for him. Now, I think a lot of people also might have looked at, at Drew's team and said, wait, why is Drew doing this? I thought Drew was also a rebuild team. Uh-uh-uh, what you forget, <laughs> what you're not thinking about is that Drew doesn't have his first round pick. He gave it to Nick. His second round pick, he has done a swap with Billy where he's going to get the lower one. So he's actually motivated to his first pick on the board is going to depend on his slot with Billy, right? He needs to, um, if he, if he's better than Billy, it doesn't matter, right? If he's worse than Billy, he's getting punished because he's going to have to also go down and draft slots. So he has incentive to beat Billy. And after making a couple trades recently, you know, notably getting Derrick Henry and stuff, he actually is kind of, somewhat more of a win now roster i mean it's actually a roster that could probably compete you know and sneak into the playoffs so things are different for him now it's it's not the same so i think it, it makes total sense and it's a huge competitive advantage because if he gets knocked off and it's clear that it's going south and Andy dalton puts up a couple top 15 weeks which it certainly has potential to do i mean wouldn't a team that's on the edge give up a first for him you know what i mean is 140 dollars in fab worth a first round pick i'd say so how much would you put down for cd lamb you know i mean a lot of fuck if you had two thousand dollars in fab you would you'd you'd say i will give the next five years of my fab for that so i think it actually makes sense devin grabbed travis fulgham for 33 dollars. i didn't even hear of him until he shredded the steelers i don't even want to talk about that he beat out eric's 13 dollar bid and bill's seven dollar bid Dave got Cameron Brait for $7. Not crazy about that. That was a whiff. No one else bid anything. Bob got Demarcus Robinson for $5, uh, another whiff. And he got LaMichael P. Ryan for $6, beating out 
Uh, Knicks $5 bid. Very close. I thought I bid something on P. Ryan there, but guess I did not. I like that move. You know, Frank Gore, they'll, they'll certainly give the rookie some work. They're, then It's a waste of draft capital not to. They're clearly not winning, so you might as well see what they have in him. Um, I don't think there's anything else interesting except for the following day, Saturday. So I dropped Joe Flacco. I don't remember why, probably because he just stunk, you know? I dropped Joe Flacco thinking I didn't need him. I, I, I had room to make and moves to make and whatever. I just picked him up. I got him for free the week before. Now Eric grabs him for $47? God damn, I could have sold this guy for something? That's not, that doesn't seem right. And then Nick also bid $35 and Bob bid $8. So that's all the free agent moves, interesting stuff. And while we're here, while we were getting on the topic of confessions, let's confess in these matchups. I lost to Bob, 138.5 to 134.3. We knew this was going to be a very, very tight competitive game. This really stinks. Losing for me, well, we'll get more into that in the standings. I'm getting ahead of myself there. You know, I won't lie to you. I had bad luck, but I also made mistakes. I'm going to own up to both of that. The bad luck is that for no fucking reason, like, you know, in this, in this, in this game between Seattle and the Vikings, the, the final two minutes, every sing, the final four minutes, every single thing that happened was bad for me. <laughs> like, every single, every, there were so many possibilities of how that game could have gone, and they all went against me. The touchdown to DK, okay? The decision to go for it on fourth and one and getting stopped, okay? Then the next drive, the next drive. They're on the goal line. Oh my God, he passed it to Lockett. This this is what I need. Lockett, just grab it. Lockett grabs it, gets a touchdown. I would get two more points than Bill than Bob, plus the yardage. I'd go in with a I'd go in with a lead. I'd go in with a lead into Monday night football. Instead, Lockett fucking drops it. Just just smacks him in the hands and drops it. Next play, DK. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. Okay, so now I'm coming in. I got like a six-point deficit into Monday night. And I got Joshua Kelly, who, trust me, the box score looks a lot worse than it was. The Chargers O-line was getting eaten alive on every every running play. I mean, he was being greeted with someone in the backfield almost constantly or at the line of scrimmage. There was nowhere for him to go. You say, well, Justin Jackson ran effectively. Well, they were spread out a little wider every play Justin Jackson was on the field. It wasn't like a strict run play. And a lot of times, you know, he just caught it out of the backfield or he was split out. And that's where he made up his yardage. So it stunk to know that, you know, Joshua Kelly is not that role. He's certainly not. He is definitely, you know, Melvin Gordon light, and when I say light, I mean like one-fifth of what Melvin Gordon was to Austin Eckler, who is going to be Justin Jackson. He's in that role. And in a game where they were fucking ahead, I would hope they could just get the run game going and let him eke out the clock. But it, I don't know. Did it feel like they were they were ahead? They had like a 17-point lead, and did it feel like they, they were ahead? I don't know. It, it felt like they were kind of going blow for blow every time. And then, of course... What Bob did, sneaky motherfucker, he picked up the Saints head coach right before the game. So now, if they win, he gets an additional two points. If they lose, he gets minus two. So he's taking a gamble here. So I get I get fucked because now I need 20 more yards additionally from Joshua Kelly than I thought. So it's not 60, it's 80. It's a higher threshold unless they lose. And of course, the Chargers are going to fucking charge her and they blew the game. Now, needless to say, that's a four-point swing. That would still put Bob point two ahead of me. 
So I needed two more yards from Joshua Kelly, and I still would have lost because I wouldn't have two yards unless they just let him, you know, burn out some clock or something. If the game had gone a little different, if it hadn't gone to overtime, I don't fucking know. But I was hopeless there. Now, of course, there's my mistakes, right? I said to myself, don't play Debo. Don't play Debo. In the morning, I was doing shit in the lawn, playing with the dog. I said, don't play Debo. I hate playing guys off of injuries. But that matchup with Miami was looking so juicy. I said to myself, I don't know. Christian Kirk's got the Jets. LaVisca has Houston. I mean, those are looking pretty tasty. Those are looking mighty tasty as well. I said, no, you know what? I'll, I'll stick to my I'll stick to my guts. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Debo. Juicy matchup. Got fucked. 22 yards. Pathetic. But, and, and, and worst of all is, remember, I gave Bob the Rams defense, who I certainly would have played over the, the Steelers defense, who managed to have a decent game despite being absolutely porous against the Eagles. Um, and that was a difference in six points. That would have pushed me over the edge. And then also, if I just kept the Rams defense and played them, who the fuck knows who he would have picked up? I think only the Dolphins would were on waivers that would have given him a win there. So, yeah, a lot of fuck-ups on my end. I hope that third-round pick ends up being worth it because this could... It doesn't hurt me now as we'll get in the standings, but this could really, really make a difference going forward. I mean, I could be looking at fighting for a bye. Now I'm one game back. So that really fucking hurts. I mean, on Bob's side, it wasn't a huge day for anyone besides Russell Wilson, his new fucking chess piece that he got. Just fucking incredible. Um, and really, I probably wouldn't have been com- no, I wouldn't have been competitive in this game at all if it weren't for trading for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I was just thinking was a decent stopgap in a horrible matchup against the Niners, but it ended up paying off. Uh, so if we look at other matches around the week. Now we did declare that the match of the week would be Drew and Nick, the two orphan teams, and Nick smacked him a bit, one forty one point eight to one twenty five point seven. Drew lost that one. I mean, Burrow had a, a terrible performance, <laughs> which was um, 4.32 points. But somehow, for for Drew, Jimmy Garoppolo had minus one. He got benched for Bethard. Benched for Bethard. And he played the Niners defense, minus four. He got minus five points from a quarterback and defense combined. So that really fucking hurt. Really fucking hurt. And, you know, that's in spite of his new some of his new pieces, like Derrick Henry and... Um, and uh, Ronald Jones having pretty good games, you know? Um, but yeah, did he have a way, way to win this one? I mean, no, he couldn't. Well, no, wait. Could, does that make sense? Minus, no, just close enough. If he had played Kirk Cousins instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, he gets 15 additional points. That would have put him at 140.7. That would have been a heartbreaking loss. Um, but luckily, he didn't have to go through that. So Nick Nick squeaks out that win. Nick squeaks. Okay, on to Dave and Nate. Okay, Dave is in first place in the good division. Nate is in last. And that pattern continues this week. Dave beat Nate 166.5 to 128.1. Nate had another good week from Tannehill and Todd Gurley, right? So that Tannehill... Uh, move that I made for Nate for his first and third along with Fournette. Now, of course, Fournette has not played much, but Tannehill has certainly exceeded expectations when he's been on the field. It has stunk that they've missed a couple games due to COVID. They've had things pushed back. Other than that, I mean, he's not getting a ton out of Nick Foles, but 
it's nice to see the Daryl Henderson pick starting to play off in year two, even after Akers. Sorry, I keep hiccuping. He didn't have a way to win this one on Dave's side. You know, Mahomes and Goff turning to be a powerful duo, you know, at least when Goff is playing Washington. So we'll see. And Mike Davis. I mean, Mike Davis, even though he paid a decent amount more than James Robinson, he could be the best waiver pickup this year. I mean, in seasonal leagues, certainly, without a doubt. And I mean, just value aside, Dave would not probably be this high in the standings without him. He's getting 20 points a week from a guy he picked up off of waivers consistently. So, yeah, I mean, that that trend is continuing. And he got Justin Jackson. It didn't have a great game, but you know the story on that. Okay, Devin versus Bill. Devin won this game 132.8 to 124.6. It was indeed a close one. Um, Miles Sanders, oh, I know, you'll look at the box score. Miles Sanders, Dan traded Miles Sanders. He's a fucking number five. The people into the season were saying he's a top five dynasty running back. Go fucking screw. Go fucking screw. He's not, he ain't, and this matchup ain't it, sis, because guess what? Yes, they had a draw. There's a wide open gap. Hilton missed the tackle, and then Sanders broke free for a 72-yard touchdown. I mean, congrats, kid. That was that was fantastic. How did you do on your other 10 carries? Six yards? Yeah. That's the Steelers fucking steel curtain that I know and love. So aside from that, that was a huge swing. DK Metcalf, we talked about. Deontay Johnson went out, which was not healthy for him. But Deshaun Watson having a pretty good game, as well as Gardner Minshew. So looks like that trade is starting to pay off. He really could have put a walloping on him if he had played the Ravens defense over the Bucks defense. That was a difference in 18 points. The Ravens had 25 points against Cincinnati. That's right. That's why Lamar didn't do enough for me and couldn't get me a win. Again, dickhead. Um, Billy... It was it's real it's looking really bad for Matt Ryan. I remember when Billy made that trade Matt Ryan for Jared Goff, the consensus was, well, you know, Matt Ryan is probably the higher ceiling pick this year, but Jared Goff is certainly has more value going forward in a dynasty league. Turns out Matt Ryan loses on both of those counts and loses them pretty hard. If you're the Falcons, if you're Arthur Blank, and you say to yourself, "Hmm, I'm in the deep south. I have a chance." to shut this season down, bring in a new coach, get the number one overall pick, because the Jets could... See, the Jets have the luxury of playing the Dolphins two more times. They could squeak out a win on accident. The Giants have the, uh, the good fortune of playing the Washington football team twice. They could squeak out a win on accident. I mean, are the Falcons in their current state going to beat the Saints, Panthers, or... Um, the Buccaneers, I don't know. They're certainly the worst team of the four. I don't know why they were favored against the Panthers last week. The Panthers are clearly a much better team, have a better defense, um, despite being a lot younger of a defense, to be honest. Um, so if you're Arthur Blank, you're just like, shut that motherfucker down, trade my R- Matt Ryan, get Matt Schaub on the field, Julio's down, <laughs> Calvin Ridley, you're down for the year, Todd Gurley, go... Go work out this contract for us. Thank you very much. Russell Gage, Olamide, Zacharias, or who the fuck ever. You come catch these balls and Hayden Hurst to just stand there looking stupid. I mean, it looks terrible. And when you think to yourself, wow, I could really get the first round pick, get Trevor Lawrence, and then at 33, pair him with Travis Etienne maybe, and then have Julio coming back fully healthy and Calvin Ridley. He's going to sell more jerseys than fuck. 
their ticket prices are going to go through the roof. You have to do it. I mean, it, it just has to be done. Now, sorry for that digression. Other than that, you know, Dalvin Cook getting injured in that game certainly hurt Billy. That would have helped him win. But mostly, if he had just had the foresight to play Derek Carr over Matt Ryan, that would have been huge. And speaking of Derek Carr, I forgot to say, I could have had a huge, huge beatdown, huge beatdown from the likes of Bob if he had played Henry Ruggs healthy. Two for 117 and a touchdown. I love it because that almost seems to me like what Henry Ruggs's line is going to be every week he has a good week. I think he will be very volatile as a receiver for his entire career, but when it's good, it will be shit like that. Two plays, average of 58 yards each, and one is a touchdown. That's just fucking awesome. Welcome to the league, kiddo. All right, other matchups. Oh, we have the truth. That's Matt playing Eric. This was our only interconference game this week, <laughs> and Matt lost. <laughs> so the good team division is 4-1 and one against the bullshit division, but I think I speak for all of us at the good team division when I say we'll, we'll accept this outcome. We all like seeing Matt lose to Eric. That's great. Eric won 121.3 to 116.7. Um, despite Dak going out, and everybody laughed that you know he had to play Alexander Madison and Frank Gore this week, but Madison ended up having a good week because Dalvin Cook went out. And now he gets another week of production there. Um, and other than that, obviously, it wasn't a high-scoring game. On Matt's side, Josh Allen... You know, not having a stellar performance. And, I mean, just some of these pieces, like Juju. What's going on there, man? He's not even getting any looks. He's flexing Gronk. He's flexing Greg Ward. And, I mean, it's okay. He's flexing Gallup, but who knows? Minus five from his defense and only two points from his kicker? Minus three points there? I mean, that stakes. Could he have won this game? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Oh, yes, he could have won this game if he just played Chase Claypool. 35.6 points? He could have walloped him. Walloped him. He could have also won this game if he played Justin Herbert over Josh Allen. He could have won this game if he played Mike Williams over fucking name a flex. Basically all of them. So he had tons of ways to win. Just really bad lineup management this week from the truth. I don't know what's going on in Matt's head, but, you know, it's, it's not good. Well, this has been a terrible show. I mean, really awful. You know, I had plans. I was thinking I was going to be able to do a song this week, but the words just weren't coming to me. The words aren't coming to me, you know? And I got a lot to do around the house, so I'm busy. So let's just say we're lucky to be even getting anything this week. So let's go to those mother-loving standings in first place overall. And I forgot, I haven't been telling you when teams go up and down. So I'm going to try to start doing that. Please hold me to that because that's always fun. In first place is Dave Wiley. He's at 4-1, and one, leading the good team division, and he's got the most points in the league. In second place is Nick, at leading the bullshit division at 3-2. and two. He's got the second most points in the league. In third place is myself at 3-2, and two, with the third most points in the league. So yes, even after a loss, I remain at 3. In fact, 1, 2, and 3 remain unchanged. But had I won that, had I won that matchup, I'd be tied with Dave. I would just need one more win over him to secure that buy. Now I've got two. So it's a, it's a steeper hill to climb. We're, we're, getting, we're getting there. We're getting to the halfway point, so shit is getting serious. And now in fourth place, because of my gross incompetence, is Bob at 3-2 and two with the fourth most points scored in the league. Just imagine a couple more points edging him out 
he would have been at two and two or two and three, and he'd have been oh actually not that much further down, but he'd been in like fifth place. So instead, last week he was at six. This week he's at four. So he r- rises up two spots after a nice win over myself. Um, Matt is in fourth place. Um, he's down. Oh no, he's exactly where. I'm oh, sorry, Matt is in fifth place. He's down one slot from last week. He's at three and two. And he's got the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh most points score in the league. So a lot of luck over there. But regardless, um, you know, that's pretty nice. So four of the top five teams, as Bob mentioned, residing in the heavenly gates of the good team division. In sixth place, our final playoff spot is Billy. He's at two and three. And he has the fifth most point score in the league. So not too bad. Right just missing the cusp is Devin. He's also at two and three. He's in seventh place. Uh, oh, sorry. Billy is down one slot from last week. Devin is up a slot. He's now in seventh. He was previously in eight. He's got the sixth most point score in the league. So, you know, maybe a little bit better fortune this week. And uh, things will certainly be looking his way. I will say this is this is very interesting. So in terms of the point totals... I'm in third with 702, Bob in fourth with 696, Billy in fifth with 695, Devin in seventh with 691, whatever. I think I fucked up the numbers. You know what I mean? There's just an 11-point margin between those groups. So really tight. And even though the good team division is just faring better in wins, you know, things have fallen our way. Things are going to get tight here. We'll we'll get to that in a minute there, pal. Um, in eighth place is Eric. He's also at two and three. He's got the eighth most points score in the league. In ninth place is Dev, Dave, sorry, Drew. Holy shit. He's at two and three with the least most points score in the league. And in last is Nate. He's at one and four with the ninth most points score in the league. So we'll see if he could pull that together. Um, as for that crew, you know, Drew's down two spots. Eric is up one. Nate remains stable. So as we look ahead, to this next week, I mean, this is where it gets interesting. Get excited, folks. It is entirely intra-conference matchups. So this, we're at a 4-1 and one record favoring the good team. We will be adding five more tallies on either side of that column by the end of this week. We have some, actually, they're all terrible matchups, to be honest. I mean, we have me versus Eric. Now, that's sort of interesting, right, because I just gave him Le'Veon Bell, who won't be playing. Um... You know, we'll see, and he gets Alexander Madison uh, to actually play that week. So you know, that's that's pretty nice. Um, we have Drew and Bob. That's a that's a pretty good matchup. I, I like I like that a little bit. They've made some trades together in the past. Made quite a few actually. Nick and Nate. Uh, that that has the potential to be sort of tight. Billy and Dave. Dave's looking pretty ravaged by buys and injuries this week. I don't know about that one. Matt and Devin. Damn, these are some good ones, good ones, good ones. I'm going to have to go Matt and Devin. That's your match of the week. Let's see. Matt is certainly kind of starting to trend in the wrong direction, right? He's been eking out wins, but not scoring a lot. Devin's on the other side, scoring a lot, not getting the wins. This could be huge for them. This, This could be monumental. I mean, this could be in and out of the playoffs by this matchup. So let's make that the match of the week. And let's hope the good team does good. Oh, and we'll go on to our last segment, a new segment. Our friend Dean Blandino, he's got such positive, positive responses from the world at large. I mean, almost everybody. 
has heard his appearance on this podcast and just loved it. Um, so he's agreed that he's going to come on once weekly and just of all the slate, he's going to pick one team that he's sure to win. This is called Dean Blandino's Lock of the Week. He's going to give us one team that he thinks no matter what is going to get that W. So Dean, this week, as you look at the slate, big intra-conference schedule, who's your Lock of the Week? The Bortle baby. Oh, Dean, you're too sweet, you big goof. Of course you'd pick me. But do, do you really think that? And uh, and I have not seen a team as legit as the Bortled Baby. Okay, all right. Well, you're, you're a sweetheart, so yeah, we hope that we do uh, win against Eric. I will say, for the first time in this entire fucking year, my team is fully healthy. So let's see what we're capable of. Um, until then... I'm going to drill a couple holes into the wall. Bye-bye.